Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're in our last message of our series, Going Through Chaos. Our last message of Going Through Chaos, and if you've missed any of it, it's been a good series. Just talking about the first week, it was, what do you do with all the sudden moments? With moments that are all of the sudden, and you're just like, you're, you're just trying to catch your breath. And last week, Michael Ballard, our executive director, did a great job talking about the peace of God, right? Um, and yeah, he did a fantastic job. Don't let it go to your head, Michael. Um, but. He just talked about uh, peace with God brings the peace of God. That one line is gold. Um, Peace of God comes, uh, you have peace with God when you have, hold on, let me read it. That's why I don't preach his message. Peace with God brings the peace of God. And so um, if you missed that last week, go back and watch it. Um, But today I want to talk to you about something that's a little bit over here, right? Like it's still in the series, but it's kind of like, okay, I didn't see that coming. What do you do? What do you do when the chaos you're experiencing is your own fault? Some of you are like, I don't like this. I thought you were going to talk about like other people and what they did. Because here's the deal. All of us have done dumb things, right? Here's a great thing. If you are in the middle of chaos and it's your own fault, welcome to the club. Like we have all done stupid things. And if you say you haven't, you need to, you're in denial. And we'll talk about that some later week, right? It is, some of us have always lived above our means at some point in time. Some of us have made decisions we shouldn't have made. We've done habits, have developed habits we shouldn't have developed. We've harbored secrets that we shouldn't have kept hidden. And now you're dealing with the fallout. And what do you do when the mess, when the fallout, when the chaos is your own doing, and it's your own fault. And so today I wanna talk to you about Percy and the pen. Percy and the pen, I have an alternative title that I wasn't planning on that I'll share with you later um, when we get to it. So um, I really wish I would've named it that. But today is Percy and the pen. my, my oldest daughter, Charlie, she is in FFA. Last week I was at her show in Oklahoma City while she was showing her sheep. And she has a weather, which is a male sheep. If you don't know this, I didn't know. Um, and so uh, this weather's name is Percy. And she has two sheep. One is Percy and one is Patches. And this is a picture of Percy. Um, this is um, Percy. Um, he looks delicious. Um, but... And uh, I, I, will, I will say this much, um, Charlie loves Percy, Percy loves Charlie, and the other week when it snowed in March, how many of you remember it snowing in March? I was like, you gotta be kidding me, like that's of the devil. Um, and it was snowing in March, anytime it snows, I'm like, hey Charlie, I'll take care of the sheep, so I become a sheeper, a shepherd, a sheepherd, um, a sheepherd. <laughs> Um, I've become a shepherd anytime it snows, because I don't want Charlie driving out in snow, and she's like, hey, could, could you take Uh, Percy from his outside pen and put him in with Patches, her female sheep. Yes, they're named Percy and Patches. That's not confusing at all. So I'm like, sure, sure, sure thing. And this is, yeah, that's, this is a picture of Percy's pen. Well, I go out there, I feed Percy. I go back out there. Mind you, it's still snowing. There's quite a bit of snow on the ground and his pen 
It's gross. It's muddy. It's nasty. It's snow all over. He's got snow on him. I go in with the halter to go get Percy after I fed him, and Percy runs into the little doghouse looking thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's cute. And it's sticking its head out like, what, what you, who's you, right? Like, what? Where are we going? Like, is this slaughterhouse time? What's, what's going on? Like, I don't know what's happening. I'm like, come on, Percy. And so Percy finally got out. Um, I've got the halter on. And I go to walk him out of the pen. And Percy starts bucking and jumping and like, like running, trying to run over me. And Percy's 175 pounds. He's, he's a big boy. And I'm like, I will hit you in the face. Um, I don't care what camera is showing on me. I know the T's. Charlie's FFA teachers come here. I'm like, I don't care if Mr. and Mrs. T see this. You charge me, there's going to be a payment, right? Like, so I start pulling Percy, and Percy all of a sudden just starts doing this with all four legs. It's snowing. It's gross. I finally get Percy out of the pen, and Percy's going no, no further. And I'm like, oh, you, you're going. You're going. I'm going to move you, boy. And so I start grabbing Percy, and it's snowing. I'm in my boots, and I'm slipping everywhere, right? And I'm just like, now I'm getting muddy. Now I'm getting mad. And I start yelling. There's nobody else around. So I start yelling at the sheep, Percy. And I'm like, Percy. You stupid, stupid animal. I, will, I don't even like lamb, but I will eat you right now. And I proceeded to tell every piece of part of his body that I'm going to start with your legs, Percy, and I'm going to smoke them. I'm going to smoke those legs. I'm going to fry your butt, right? Like I'm just... <laughs> I look crazy out there. I was so mad. I was so mad. And here's why I'm mad, because I'm trying to take Percy from her gross, his gross mess, right, into a barn that is way nicer. And I'm like, you dumb, and we get inside finally, and he's like, oh, this is where you're taking me, and just kind of trots to the pen. <laughs> In the process of this, I learned a lot of things, but a couple of things of this interaction between Percy and the pen, <clears throat> that I want to talk to you about is this. Charlie wanted me to get Percy out of his pen because she loves him and wants what's best for him. I could care less. <laughs> and, and in the middle, she didn't want him staying in his mess in an environment that wasn't going to be good and advantageous for him. And here's what I want you to know. God wants what's best for you. In the middle of your mess, in the middle of your dumb decisions, right? In the middle of how, why did I do this? How did I do this? How did I get here? In the middle of that moment, I want you to just marinate and rest on this point for a second. God wants what's best for you, right? I could care less what's best for Percy, but Charlie knows Percy. And because Charlie knows Percy, she loves Percy. And because Charlie loves Percy, she wants to take care of Percy. And how Charlie feels towards Percy pales into comparison about how God feels about you. He knows you, he loves you, and he doesn't just want what's best for you, he knows what's best for you. And it says this in John chapter 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. 
But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some of you grew up hearing this, life and life more abundantly, right? It says the the thief's purpose, Satan's purpose, the enemy's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. For some of us, it's not so much that we like where we are, but we're familiar with where we are. What's keeping us from moving out of our mess? It's that we've become familiar with our surroundings. We've, become, we've learned to, to kind of function in our chaos and function in our dysfunction, right? And it's not that you like it so much as it's kind of become part of your identity. You become familiar with it and you are just comfortable there. Percy didn't want to move because that's what he knew. He was comfortable and he was familiar with his surroundings and with the chaos. And some of you, the reason you don't want to move is because you've grown comfortable in your chaos and you don't know quite where God is leading you or directing you. But hear me, if you will just simply move and if you will simply do what God is asking you to do next, you can do that because God wants what's best for you. And he knows what's best for you. But Percy, (coughs) ding dong, doesn't want to go anywhere, right? And, and, and this is kind of what stood out to me about it. Why didn't Percy want to go anywhere? Because, point two, chaos brings confusion and fear and keeps you stuck instead of moving, right? Percy didn't want to go somewhere because Percy didn't know where I was. He was confused of where I, he didn't understand where I was taking him. There was no way to, to kind of have this dialogue and this discussion with him, right? There was no way that he would know where I was taking him. And so he was confused. (coughs) He was unsure. And because of that, he was fearful. All throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, if you look at the Bible and you read the scriptures, God used chaos. He would bring chaos on Israel's armies and it would put them in confusion and fear. Right? That, that's what God used for those countries that Israel was battling. He would throw them into a panic, into a chaos, and panic and fear and confusion ensued, and they destroyed one another, and then Israel would just come in and just wipe them out, right? That's what God would use. And yet God says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 33. It says, God is not a God of confusion, but of order and peace. And this is talking, context of scripture is important. This is talking about worship services, Right, The reason that it's important for us to have order in service because God doesn't want people jumping off the things and like (coughs) running everybody off and acting like monkeys, right? He's like, no, 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 there's an order to this. And if he is that worried about our worship service, can I tell you he's that much concerned about your life as well? He doesn't want you to be confused because confusion always leads to fear and uncertainty, and it keeps you stuck in your chaos because when we don't know what to do, we do nothing, right? When, we don't, when, when I'm sure, unsure of what I should do, when I'm uncertain, when I'm fearful, when I'm confused of what I should do, most of the time I don't do anything. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 out of the Amplified Version. I love this, this version of it. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, or cowardice, he didn't make you a coward. This is the way I would read it. Or a weenie, right? Like, or fear. But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline. 
abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So, so if this is the spirit God has given us, then why do we struggle moving when we don't know where to move to? Here's, here's what I think. Here's what I really think. It's because when we make our own mess, we're not sure what his reaction is going to be to us. When, we, when, we're, when we've made our own chaos, we don't know if God's going to be like, well, deal with it, you know. You, you, you made your mess, now deal with it. It kind of reminds me of my daughters when they were little, 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 what a playroom, and they would go up and they would play for hours. Like there would be days they would set up restaurants and they would set up all these different things and they would play for hours. And as a result, they weren't doing anything wrong. They just destroyed the room because they were playing. Every toy that could possibly be out was out. Every mess that you could possibly make was made, right? And they had purpose behind their mess. It wasn't just like a mess. It was a mess, but they look up three hours later and they're like, where do we even start? And they would come downstairs and they would come up to me and be like, dad, um, hey, we need to clean the room. And we were wondering if you could help us. And I would look at them and I'm like, heck no. If you made the mess, you could clean the mess up. You know, like, like you made it, clean it up. And then they would go to Casey and they would bat their little eyes and be like, mom, would you come and I will sure come and help you guys. Justin, come help us. And I would follow her because Casey's my boss, right? <laughs> Casey runs the house. Yes, babe, I'm right behind you. Here's the deal, I, I really believe this, especially for a lot of us that have grown up maybe in a more religious setting, right? A very legalistic setting. When we make our own mess, we feel like God's going to react to us like I reacted to my daughters. Like, no, it's your mess, figure it out. Well, dummy, why did you do that? Why did you make, like, if you made it, then make your way out and clean it up. But really, the way that God reacts to us is the way that Casey reacted to the girls. And here's what fear says, right? Fear says this, I messed up and my dad's gonna kill me. Right, that, that's fear. I messed up and my father, man, he's just waiting to, to lower the boom. But the gospel, the truth of it is, this is what the gospel says. I messed up, I need to call my dad. I messed up, I need to call my father. So today, if you're here and you've messed up, man, you're like Percy in your pen, and you have made your own mess, and you're dealing with chaos. Let me give you two things, two ways to get through chaos, to get through the chaos that you have created. The first thing is this. Hang on to the word, especially when it's dark. Hang on to the word, especially when it's dark. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Carla, if you could help me out. When it gets dark, right, and the lights go out in your life, this scripture says your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When it gets dark, you, when, when I go camping, okay, so all of us that are 40 and above, when you go camping at night and you gotta go pee in the middle of the night because that's what happens to us, right? You're like, ah, here's my one in the morning call. Um, when you go out and you can't see anything, you take this and you are holding your lantern tight 
because you know you can't see how to take your next step or where to go next if you don't have this leading you and guiding you. And here's what the Bible's saying. When it gets dark, man, you better hold tight onto his word instead of leaving it here and trying to function over here because some of us, we're functioning in the dark and we don't know why our chaos isn't getting any better because his word says this, your word in the midst of my darkness is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Meaning this, it doesn't work like a spotlight. It doesn't work like a flashlight. It works like a lamp. It just shows you the next step to take. Right? It doesn't show you 10 steps down the road. And that's where a lot of us want to be. We want to know the 10-step plan when God's more concerned with your one-step plan. Because he knows if you won't take your one step, you're not going to take your 10th step. And you've got to say, okay, your word, this is the next step. This is what step I've got to take next to get out of the pen. It's not about getting Percy in the barn. It was first about getting him into the pen, out of the pen. And some of us, we just got to get the first step out of our mess to be able to step into the calling and direction that God has for our life, right? His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, Carla. Also says this, in Psalms 23, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort and they guide me. Right, it doesn't say that I linger there. Right? I love this quote that I read this past week. It said, I praise God on the mountaintops, but I got to know him in the valleys. Right, I got to know him in the valleys. And in your valleys and in your darkness and in your mess and in your chaos, can I tell you, it says that his rod and his staff comforts and guides you, which means this. It means he hasn't left the premises, but he is still there. Going back to our first message in this series, that he is a present help in time of need, in time of trouble, right? That he is still guiding you. He's still directing you. And your job in that dark moment, in those unsure moments, isn't to just start living based on what you think is best, isn't just to live based on what you've seen other people do, or you hear Oprah tell us what to do, or Dr. Phil what to do, but it is to get grab hold of God's word and hold on tight when it gets the darkest. Because if you're ever going to get through your chaos, and you're going to get through it well, because all of us can get through chaos, but it's how are you going to get through it? If you're going to get through it well, hold on to God's word, especially in the dark times. The other thing is this. <coughs> Understand that right conduct is birthed from a clean heart. Right conduct is birthed from a clean heart. When I started thinking about like people that have made their own mess and created their own chaos, I thought of, well, there's a ton of people in the Bible that have done that. So um, if that's you today, right? If you're at home watching online, that's you, and you think you're disqualified, go read the Bible. Like, every, like most of them created their own mess, their own chaos. You're in good company. But when I started thinking about who, who like just comes to mind instantly, the story of David and Bathsheba popped into my mind, right? And it is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. I don't have time to read this all to you. So I'm gonna give you the Justin Graves version. That's the JGV um, of what happened. And this is a very unreliable translation. So here's kind of a synopsis 
of David and Bathsheba, what's happening? It says this. Starts off and it says, in the springtime when kings went off to war, David stayed behind in the palace. First problem is this, and this is a whole sermon I could preach, but David was somewhere he shouldn't have been. Right, like the reason he got into a situation he shouldn't, the reason he got into a pen, the reason he got into a mess, the reason that the chaos happened is he was in a place and in a place he shouldn't have been in the first place. He should have been to war instead of hanging in the palace looking at a bunch of naked, well, looking at one naked woman, right? Like, okay, okay, this isn't in my notes, but another week, um, I was, one of my buddies was supposed to meet me to swim laps at the gym that I'm at. And um, he didn't show up, I still swam my laps, and then I was sitting in the hot tub afterwards. Sitting in the hot tub, nobody's in the hot tubs, there's two hot tubs. I'm over here, there's a hot tub over there, and all of a sudden, I, I'm not doing nothing, right? I'm sitting in the hot tub, and this woman with not very many clothes gets in the same hot tub I'm in. I'm like, there's a hot tub over there, girl. Like. So I kind of scoot over here, right? I'm like, and she starts talking to me. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. It's like somebody you don't want to talk to on the airlines. You're like, yeah, great, great, yeah. <laughs> she starts scooting close to me. And literally when she scoots close to me, and I don't even, she goes, so what about, I go, nope. And I just put my hands up and I walked out of the hot tub. I said, nope, out loud. I was like, nope, 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 nope. No hose in the tub, right? Like, no. That's the title I wish I should have used. Hose in the tub. Hose in the tub. My wife's probably watching online going, stop saying it, Justin, stop saying it. <laughs> Here's the deal. I got out of there, right? And sometimes the best thing you can do to not get in a mess is to get out of the place in the first place you shouldn't be in. Don't engage. And you may have to do something as extreme as putting your hands up and saying, nope, I'm out of here. Like, I have come too far for you to mess me up like that. No, 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 no. So, that, so David's somewhere he shouldn't be. See, this is what happens when I'm not in my notes. Um, and, and in the process of his army fighting, David is out on the palace roof, and he sees this naked woman taking a bath. So Bathsheba's an exhibitionist. And so... Um, David's like, ooh, um, who's that? Bring her to the palace. Brings her to the palace, and she's like, <laughs> um, and they sleep together. David gets Bathsheba pregnant, and he realizes that it's his buddy's wife, Uriah. Uriah the Hittite. Now, Uriah the Hittite, to give you some context, Uriah the Hittite wasn't just a person in the army. Uriah the Hittite was one of David's mighty men. Like, he was one of David's boys, that was in the cave and was with David when David was nothing, when he was the number one wanted fugitive in Israel. And he sleeps with Uriah's wife and gets her pregnant. You thought you made a mess. So all of a sudden, David calls Uriah back from the battlefield. His strategy is, I'm gonna get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba so he thinks the child is his. He gets Uriah back, but Uriah is such a noble and great guy. He's like, I can't sleep with my wife while my friends and my boys are on the battlefield fighting. That's not right. David gets him drunk a second time, still didn't sleep with his wife. And so David sends him back to the battlefield and gives the general this command, hey, put him on the front line so he gets killed. So Uriah gets killed 
David thinks he gets away with it. He's like, oh, come here, Bathsheba. I will comfort you. I'm a good king, right? And so thinks he gets away with it. And then this prophet named Nathan comes up and he talks about, of all things, the sheep, right? He uses a sheep illustration. So there's a sheep named Percy, right? And so um, he's talking about, that's not really in the Bible, but um, he's, and neither was, <laughs> um, but just in case you want to, it's in the JG version. And so he, he thinks he's getting away with it. And all of a sudden Nathan comes in, he's like, man, this guy had the sheep and he loved the sheep. And this guy took the sheep and blah, 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 blah. And David's like, well, who is this person? We need to kill him. We need to take care of him. And Nathan's like, it's you sucker. You're the, you're the guy, you're the man. And all of a sudden everything that David did, uh-oh, it's been exposed. His best plans to, hear me, if a king can't cover his tracks, neither can you. Right? David had a lot more resources, a lot more people to cover things up than you. And you covering things isn't, isn't addressing things. It's not getting you out of your pen and your mess. And all of a sudden, David's life is in chaos. They lose the baby. Like, he is ashamed. All these things are coming out. And here's what David pins. And you've heard this scripture, but this is right after this has happened. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 through 12 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a loyal spirit. Some of you have heard renew a right spirit. Renew a loyal spirit within me. <clears throat> don't banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And here's, here's what David starts saying. Create in me a clean heart. Here's what I love about that is that a bad heart won't let you do healthy activities. Right, if I have a heart physically, if I have a physical heart problem, I'm not able to do all the physical healthy activities I want to do. And right conduct is birthed from a right heart. Just like right healthy activity is enabled by you having a healthy right heart, the same thing comes through when it comes to spiritually. Sometimes the reason we constantly keep creating a mess is because David knew this. He said, man, I got a bad heart and I don't need you to renew my heart. I need you to put a new heart. Create in me a clean. Do a new work. Stop. I can't rest on what I had happened as a kid or as a teenager or somebody in my 20s, but God, I need you to create and do something new and create in me a clean heart and renew the a right spirit, a loyal spirit, or what would be the most correct word, a steadfast spirit, which means this, a constant fixed and resolute in its allegiance to God that is unmoved by the assault of temptation. That's a steadfast spirit. A constant, fixed, and, re and resolute spirit in its allegiance to God that is unmoved by the assault of temptation. Here it is. Just because you have a right heart doesn't mean that you're not gonna face temptation. You're still gonna face temptation, but what begins to happen is that you want his ways more than yours. You're more about following his will than the world's temptation. And some of us, man, we're, we're just, we keep getting this backwards. We think our right conduct will bring us to a right heart. Man, if this isn't right, then my activity's not gonna be right. And he says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Right, if I'm really going to have the joy of salvation, then I become, I come to a place where I want to obey him more than anything else. Because can I tell you, obedience is its own reward. 
right? So many times, well, being obedient hasn't gotten me anywhere. No, 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 it's gotten you everything. It's gotten you, it's, it's, it's that you get to live without the regret of disobedience, right? I don't reward my daughters for not smoking pot or not doing cocaine. Hey, you didn't do cocaine today. Let's give you $100. No. The reward is that they're not being, dis- they don't have to suffer the consequences of being disobedient, right? And can I tell you, there's a joy and there's a reward just from you being obedient. And some of us, we know, we kn- you know what God's asking you to do. You're in the middle of your mess. You're in the middle of your pen and you know what God is asking and calling you to do. You've just grown familiar You're just not unsure about the next step. You're just not sure about all these things. Man, can I overcome the chaos, the mess, the reputation, the secrets, the things that have come out? But hear me, you can trust him. Because he knows what's best for you. And he wants what's best for you. And that's how you and I, we get through chaos. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, I just, I, I pray that there would just be a really honest moment that we have. Lord, so many times we come in and we just play games. We know how to play church. We know how to keep up appearances. But that's not following you. Lord, that just keeps prolonging our mess and our dysfunction and our chaos. Some of us, we come in and Lord... We're done with our pride. God, we just want to get better. God, we just want to get out of this pen, out of this mess of our own making. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would realize it's not too late. We're not too far gone. But you're with us. Your word still applies to us. It guides us and directs us. So let us hold tightly onto it, onto it. And, Lord, let us have clean hearts. Create in us today a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit, a spirit that wants you more than, more than anything else. Renew that in us because, Lord, somewhere along the way, we lost it. Somewhere along the way, it got left behind, and now it's led us to this pen, to this mess, to this moment. But, Lord, you haven't left us. Your word says you will never leave us nor forsake us. Literally still in our mess and our stubbornness, you still want what's best for us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.